Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 281 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, we would like to welcome and give a big TKMR thank you to our new sponsor, Noda, powered by M&T Bank. Noda is banking built for lawyers and provides smart, no-cost IOLTA account management. Visit trustnota.com legal to learn more. That's N-O-T-A, Nota. Terms and conditions may apply. Next, we'd like to thank Colonial Surety Company Bonds and Insurance for bringing you this podcast. Whatever court bond you need, get a quote and purchase online at colonialsurety.com forward slash podcast. And with so many new podcasts starting up these days, we occasionally like to mention that at 15 years and counting, the Kennedy Mile Report is the longest continuously running legal technology podcast out there. In our last episode, we looked at some of the current trends and learnings about collaboration tools and technologies after a year of pandemic. Some really good stuff in that episode, if I may say so. In this episode, we revisit one of our favorite topics, and that's our ongoing second brain project and what we call the third pillar of the project, action. Tom, what's all all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed return to our second main brain project and the next big component of it, which, as you said, is action. In our second segment, we're going to go super practical and close to hand, and hopefully not too boring, and cover the current state of mice, trackpads, pens, and other input devices. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, the third pillar of our second brain project, uh, which is action. Uh, The first two parts, uh, quick recap, we covered capture, how we go about collecting the information that's going to go into our second brain. Um, And the second pillar is organize. What do we plan to use to store that information? How do we plan to organize it so that it is useful to us, so that we can it can surface when we need it to surface? Um, the organize piece really leads us directly into that third pillar, which is action. How can we take action and really use what we're storing in our second brain? Dennis, want you to get started on this. Uh, should I start by asking you how much action you've taken on this part of the project? I kind of expect you to show a bit more judgment than to ask the question that way, but um, I'll go with it. Uh, it's important to emphasize this is sort of the theory part of of this process, and then also to say that the second brain project is still largely aspirational. Although um, I'm making some some progress, and I think you are as well. So, so if people think there's something that they can look at right now that reflects the the previous two pillars were not quite 
quite there. But uh, so in about three more episodes, we'll look at the the actual tools we'll use for action. Uh, but uh, right now it's theory. And I, I will warn you, Tom, that uh, March has been circled on the calendar as second brain month for me. So I may get out ahead of you on on this. So you want to start by kind of, I think we, we might have somewhat different approaches here, but I think that, uh, what do you think of when we talk about action? This is the area that gives me the most hesitation, partly because I'm still working on the organization part. I still have a lot to do on the organization part. Um, but the other reason is I'm, you know, kind of looking at the talking points you want to discuss here. I'm not sure that a state of nirvana exists in this area. I'm not sure that the tools are available to help us take action in a way that I think you're about to tell us you'd like to go. Um, I think that the action part is where a lot of these tools don't deliver in exactly the way you expect. I still think there is going to be more manual activity, less automation, although that's changing all the time. But um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little interested to kind of hear your take on all of this. But I would say that this is, to me, going to be the action part is um, the, going to be the hardest part of all this for me. And, and although I suspect that because you and I have both chosen Notion, and we'll get into this a little bit later, um, that may be soon to improve, but we still have a ways to go. So that's my stammering way through this whole thing, basically saying, this is hard and we need to, and we, we, it's going to be hard for us to figure out. Is that what you're thinking too? Well, to go back to basics, I think that uh, when we look at storing and archiving, that doesn't make the, the information that we've, we've captured and organized actionable. So we, it doesn't really allow us to do anything because storing and archiving or the most limited forms of, of action. Search has limited utility. So yeah, maybe it's there's a notion of actionable um, if you can search it, but kind of so so what at at this point. So I think the key, as you said, is how do we make things automated or automatic? So. How can we kind of trigger things to happen or have them kind of the information pulled together for us automatically so that we see it in certain ways or we can accomplish uh, different things? And to go back to what you're saying, I think that my approach here is I just kind of want to get some basics and a notion of a platform and an approach that as things continue to improve over, say, the next two, three, four, five years, that I'll have some practices and some approaches that will allow me to take greater advantage. So what in the terms of action, I'm actually looking for some fairly simple steps here at the beginning that I can do easily without, you know, doing a lot of scripting or, or other things like that, but kind of take advantage of, of tools that might exist in Notion or, or some other, you know, or could be something that's a document automation tool uh, or that, that sort of thing that I can 
take what I have and generate something. So it's not necessarily means like the click of a mouse or the push of a button type of thing, but something that will start to trigger some things and then action will happen. And that action has a, a really good utility. So I don't know, Tom, I, I mean, I sort of think we're, you know, it's like the same underlying principle, but maybe the directions that will go and the examples we use will, be, will turn out to be a bit different or maybe a lot different. So I'm skeptical about the automation piece. And what makes me skeptical about it is that although I believe that automation is going to make things easier, and, and let's cut right to it. I, I think that one of the things we're talking about is the fact that Notion, the tool we use, is soon, hopefully, in this spring of 2021, going to open up an, an API, which is going to allow multiple apps to connect and integrate to it. I, I've been waiting for that. I'm super excited about it. But I'm still not sure that that level of automation is going to make what's in Notion actionable for you. I still believe that the API process is mostly to help you better get information into Notion. So it will automate, so it'll, it'll make it available so you can push information into Notion from a lot more different places. It can automate that process, whether it's email or whether it's tweets or whatever you tend to send in there, you will easily, more easily be able to move information in there but I'm still thinking, I, I still think that really what, I'm just using our Notion example here, but frankly, I'm not sure that any other second brain product that we've talked about is any different in terms of functionality or capability. But I, I don't think that any of that truly makes what you have in there actionable unless you've organized it properly. So listening to some Notion folks or to, to some people who talk about second brain, the way that, you know, one of them, one of them I was listening to said, I sat down with my fiance to plan our wedding. And for most people, that type of wedding planning would take months or weeks to, to, to actually sit down and come to agreement on the kinds of things that we wanted to do. But we had already been saving a snippet here and an art museum, a, a magazine article here, and, and we found a store that we like that has great cakes. And we had been saving all of those and tagging them to our second brain for wedding ideas. And all we had to do was open up that part and go straight to wedding ideas. And everything was right there. And we planned our wedding in an afternoon. We had everything there and we were able to do it in an afternoon. Now, whether that is true that they could do it that quickly is another question. But I think that that's part of what makes it actionable. They had organized it well enough so that when they got there, they could get to it. So I'm less optimistic about the automation piece today. Talk to me in six months from now, but I think that what makes it actionable is good organizational per style and good organizational practices. Yeah, I, I, I think that your example is a good one, but let me go back to some uh, something really basic that... And it could be I'm just doing this wrong and things have changed over the years. But the other day I had a got a, had an email and it had a date that I needed to do something in the future. And so all I wanted to do was to put that on my calendar, right? And there are tools that can can do this. Um, we take the email and it pulls out information. But I'm I'm in Outlook. And it took me a while to find how to make that a calendar entry, which I did. And then it 
thoughtfully put the calendar entry on today. And I'm like, it has the information in there, right, in that email to to maybe guess that that it should go. The first choice for putting it on my calendar would be on the day and the time that's actually in the email. So I, I, I look and I say, that's the sort of thing that that I'm actually looking for are, are just kind of really simple automations to say, oh, I'm hire you know, I, I need to hire a new RA at, at Michigan State. Uh, so I say new RA and then it's possibly organization, uh, right, that would just take me to a place that takes me through it. But another way is it would just bring up the things I would need to do and it would give me a checklist or, you know, uh, different things that I could tick through maybe in, in order to make sure I, I had everything. So when I think of the actionable things that I would like to go back to the wedding thing is that I would rather than say, let me just go to the wedding folder. I would like to say, oh, Tom and I are talking about second brain and action. And so I can just have essentially a research pack, you know, put together for me. So I don't have to kind of dig through folders and stuff. It just kind of automates a document that I can read or, or you know, uh, something like that. So, but that's my way of thinking. Another thing is to say, wouldn't it be great if when I needed to have a bio and it was like a hundred word one or, you know, whatever type of thing, it would pull from central information that I had updated about my bio and then it would put that together for me. So I wouldn't have to take the last one and, and update it. So just very simple automation presentations. Can I, you know, I'd like to find the slide that I did on X and, you know, pull those things together and do the most recent version. So that's what I'm talking about. Automations, just really, really simple things. And then the most complex I think would be uh, a quasi customer relationship management type of thing that would say, oh, I'm talking to somebody like pull up some of the recent things that I did so I can take a take a look at them. And I could go to a separate CRM tool, right? But I would just rather the second brain handle all of that. So I don't know if that helps, Tom, or it hurts, but that's sort of when I think of, of making things actionable. So let me ask you a couple of questions because you use the word simple about, I don't know, 100 different times in, in that. And, and I have, I'm not sure which any part of those is actually simple in, in real life, especially if we're talking, I mean, I hate to break the news, but Notion can't do any of the things that you just described. There may be tools that can do some of the things that you describe, but for example, your whole research pack, do you just plan on speaking to your system and saying, please put together a research pack on action and that will happen? And so if that's the case, then we're speaking like are we in the future here talking? Because there may be tools that can do that, but I, I view that there may be tools that can do everything you're talking about there, but they're all distinct, separate, discrete tools that have a singular purpose, which may be one of those things. And and I I don't, I so I would not describe any of what you described as simple for purposes of a second brain anyway. So good point, uh, definitely. But I, I, I think that I would want to have some control. So if I said, 
hey, all I want to do is look, give me everything on Second Brain um, that I've tagged with action that's been done in the last six months. That's useful to me, right? Or because I, I just find all, you know, all the search type tools are breaking down for me. You know, I, I tried to find something using Google today that was that I've referred to several times in the last year, and uh, it took me 15 minutes to find things, in part because the place that it was uh, originally kept, they killed the, the original URL, uh, so my bookmark didn't work. Um, so we're running into into those things, but that's the sense I have. I'm not looking for. Uh, I want something that will kind of come to me, and and that may be the pipe dream, right? That we're just we're just not there yet. But it's it's kind of like I I don't want to search. Uh, I'm not sure I can have like the folder for the wedding is actually really that's like an easy. Thing. It's it's more to say like I want to grab things about this topic that I haven't created a folder for that started that to me is more interesting. So I don't approach a second brain that way, which is why it's harder for me to conceive of what. Be, I, but but then but then this is where we've always been different because for you, to me, your second brain. If I had to visualize your second brain, it would look like. A hoarder's nightmare is what it would look like. It would just be stuff everywhere, all over the place, all kinds of things. Um, no matter how small, no matter how old, if you if if you saw it and you liked it, it goes in the second brain. And for me, I am curating before I put it in there. I, there will be things that I will think, I, you know, I need to do a little bit more research on this. I want to take some time to read it, so I might still put it in there. But nothing goes, I am very intentional with what I put into my second brain. And so for me, I think where, where, you're, what you're, coming, where you're coming from, Dennis, is, is that there are people who say, you have no idea of five months ago that you wanted to that we might want to do a podcast on the action form of a second brain, but you might still be collecting information about it beforehand. And so it's not about going in and creating an area of your second brain called action to where you're collecting things. It's about saying, all right, I probably collected a lot of stuff related to action and it's somewhere in there and I'd like to just go and grab it all and put it all into one place. And that's that's something that I'm just not, I, I, that's not the way that my brain thinks about putting things together, but I know that it is the way that lots of people think about putting things together. I don't think the technology is there yet for that process. You know, the way you describe, I want to find everything that's been tagged with action within the last six months that is something that a tool like Notion can very easily handle and can put that together and you can get to that instantly. The way that I've set up my second brain in Notion, I have an area for second brain work. I go straight there and I can filter or get all the information out of it very quickly and easily that I need. But I'm saving it intentionally in that area, knowing that, that I may want to come back to it later. It's that I never know if I might need this stuff that I think is the... For me, that would be the challenging piece, but it's never a problem for me because I, I'm, I just don't think in those terms. Yeah. So let me give you an example. So I think if you do a great job, and it's partially, I mean, this really does come back to job to be done. And so um, because of what I do, I'm looking at connections between things um, that aren't necessarily obvious. Um, that's a big part of what I do. 
So today I was, uh, I went back to find something was on scenario planning for COVID. And I found like four good examples. Um, the one took me 15 minutes to refine because we talked about it in my last class. I put it into the team's channel for our class to say, hey, we talked about scenario planning. Here are some examples that um, I was talking about. So I could say, so there's a world that says, oh, what I will do is I will tag each of those things and I will know exactly what the tag should be. So um, I'll think it could be scenario. Um, it could be scenario planning. It could be COVID. It could be pandemic. It could be uh, futures. It could be to innovation tools. It could be, you know, and then I sort of despair at actually getting that saved because I have to think of all these tools. And then I have to remember, then I have to figure out a way to say, oh, it's in the Microsoft Teams thing. So I need to throw it back some other way. So my idea is, and it's sort of like the intelligent agent concept is that I can send this intelligent agent out and say like, here are all the places I've kept things. And um, this is the stuff that I want to find. And I originally thought this was a, a, in the should be in the COVID folder, but it's actually in the innovation tools context that I wanted now. And that's what I say is five years out where I have something that's more like the intelligent agent who can do that and kind of smartly using, you know, AI or, or some, you know, in some form is able to make some of those connections for me. And that's, that's where I see action. And I do see that as, as down the road, but the, the ability to pull things together um, in some ways right now is that, is that part of action that I want. So instead of rather than going to a folder I've set up uh, and organized very carefully, I would rather messily uh, have stuff brought to me and say, hmm, you know, the, this triggers something for me or some new thoughts or some new connections. So it's partly, you know, as what I do as opposed to what you do and, and obviously what other people do. And I think that's job to be done. And then that will help people with the action side of things and the direction they will go. So hearing that example, I think you are right. It's a ways out when we talk about a personal knowledge management second brain. However, there are a number of tools that get close to or are getting close to what you want that are more enterprise related. A lot of e-discovery tools. Um, we're seeing a lot of tools in the information governance space that can be trained and use artificial intelligence to find information and to classify it and to tag it, whatever, however it needs to be tagged. So I think theoretically it can do a lot of the things you're talking about, but but also um, let's bring it closer to home. Microsoft, their project Cortex is an AI tool that is supposed to do that. It's you're supposed to say, hey, go out and find everything related to this topic. And it goes and searches SharePoint and it searches OneDrive and it searches email. And it so it, granted, it's just searching the, the, your, the universe of your Office 365 product, but it's still hitting multiple places. It doesn't care where it is. It's looking for that information and it's helping to put that stuff together. So um, it's available. It's just not available for consumers, I think. I just don't think that it's where consumers are, it, not in a way that they can use it in a, in a helpful way right now. Right. And I think that what the point you made was that when we talked about the 
the like the sort of core tool that we would use. That's why I think that the Microsoft 365 is a legitimate core choice. Uh, you know, for for the reasons that that you said, and and some of the 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 tools that go along with it, um, and that we're sort of hoping that Notion, based on what it does, and the third party you know, products that we'll work with that the APIs and sort of things will get us there because um, there's some some other benef- interface and other benefits that we like. And I go back to like from the early days of knowledge management tools, e-discovery tools, that sort of thing. I would always ask vendors to say like, hey, why can't we turn this on ourselves? And would you have a, a like a personal version of that? And they never would. Nobody ever uh, does. Basically. Yeah. And part of the issue, and, and that's what I think second brain, the notion was for us was, and I, I hate that I keep saying notion, but uh, the, <laughs> the, the idea was that in the AI world, you need these huge amounts of data, but wouldn't it be great if you could, if the database that it was working on, uh, that your, your AI, your machine learning was your own personal stuff, like your own hard drives, everything that you kept. And that's, that's intriguing. So can you use that? And it could be that, you know, just as a method, you know, as a matter of, of math and uh, the technology we have, we just don't have enough data for this, this stuff to work. But that's, that's, to me, one of the promises of Second Brain. And I think that you see that what you're talking about with Microsoft and other things, they're sort of, you know, kind of nipping away at this. And it may give us, um, you know, uh, sort of just enough to start playing with it, because um, if you have some applications, you can really, uh, really start to, to play with it. I think that the next step for us anyway, as far as Notion is concerned, is the introduction of the APIs. And they, they've told us that those APIs are going to be released hopefully sometime in the spring of 2021. So we may be able to come back to everybody with a report on on how how that changes the game. Uh, you know, right now there are a number of great integrations with Notion. We've talked about them before, things like Readwise, which takes care of most of what I need of getting books and articles and uh, podcasts and all sorts of things into Notion for me. Um, the Save to Notion Clipper takes care of the rest in terms of the, the website stuff. And there's an actually, uh, uh, really quickly, there's a great for those of you who are trying out Notion, there is a Notion Clipper but made by the Notion company, but there's also an independent one called Save to Notion, which is about 10 times better because it allows you to fill in fields and uh, send it to specific workplaces, and um, it's terrific. So um, I, I, I highly recommend it. But I, I think that's kind of where we're headed there. Dennis, um, what are you thinking about in terms of uh, what we need to do while we wrap this segment up? Well, I'm thinking that the, you know, as I start to work on Second Brain, I, I hope to make some progress over the, the month of March. And I got to tell you that this action step is the one that's really daunting. And even to try to figure out what tools to to start with is is seems like a challenge to me. And if, if I say, 
in three more episodes, we're going to do something about action tools that we're going to report back to our audience. But it seems like really ambitious on our part. But, you know, maybe we'll we'll find some things there and, and as they say, let it be a challenge and, and come back with something. But I, I think we are in kind of uncharted territory, especially for me, and then also are in this project, right, of one aspect of it is, in my case, laziness, right? I, I don't want to have to learn a bunch of new things. I don't want to have to learn scripting and, you know, all this other stuff just to make things work. I want it to be simple with not a, a big learning curve. So that will come into play as well, um, because that is is a feature that I need. All right, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Wish you could get a quote and purchase an appeal, trustee, estate, or any other court or fiduciary bond quickly online? Colonial Surety Company has every bond you need and is a direct insurer that's U.S. Treasury listed, licensed in all 50 states and territories, and rated A excellent by AM Best, so you can be confident it's a trusted resource. Get started at colonialsurety.com forward slash podcast. You went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of NOTA, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnota.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. So I bought a new Mac Mini at the end of last year as part of my unexpected move from laptop to desktop computing in COVID times. So one of the issues for me as I thought through what I needed um, in that upgrade was whether uh, whether I needed to change and tailor my actual input device. Now, I got to tell you, I haven't been in the market for a long, long time. And there are tons of choices, regular mice, wireless mice, vertical mice, trackballs, trackpads, styli, and and more. And we thought this might be uh, a good subject for our second segment to just kind of talk through what's out there and how, how we start to think about that and, and, and whether it's just a commodity thing or something that we can really uh, get some good benefits by paying more attention to it. So, Tom, what is it that you use these days and how did you come to make that decision and are you happy with it? So I am, I think, clearly going to be the boring one in this segment because my needs are very simple. And I have, there used to be a time where I like to think of computer mice the same way that I thought of, say, headphones. Um, I like to try out a lot of them. I wanted to see what they were like. Um, and so I, I, I did that. I really don't care anymore about what I use. And, and my needs are extremely, extremely simple. Um, I have um, on my desktop at home, I, um, I do like to play games on my PC. And so I have a gaming mouse uh, that I've used. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's built in with uh, buttons on the side that I can actually use and punch while I'm playing my game. Um, but it's a fairly basic gaming mouse. It's by a company called Razer. They make great 
great mice. Um, uh, so we, I, I think you can't go wrong with most things. It is corded. It's a corded mouse, which doesn't bother me. It's for my desktop, so I really don't care. I, I usually don't like to use mice that are huge. Um, you know, so the vertical ones and the trackball mice and things like that, they're just so big. I just don't use things that are that big. I, I have used in the past traveling mice, the Microsoft Surface mobile mouse, really good mouse. Um, when I owned a, a Mac, I really liked the Magic Trackpad. That was nice. I just don't use them anymore. I am on my laptop. Uh, believe it or not, I just use the trackpad. I don't even use a, a, a mouse for the laptop. I just use the trackpad and I'm good at it and it works. So I'm sorry. I'm very boring and mundane here. I'm I'm happy with the, with the trackpad. I use a very basic mouse. Um, there's a lot of great mice out there, uh, depending on whether you want something that's ergonomic, um, whether you want something that has a lot of bells and whistles or none. Um, there are tons of different choices out there. But I, I think if you're looking at, at, at different vendors, Logitech always makes great great mice. Microsoft Surface mice are very good. I've, I've used those before. Like I said, Razer is great. Those are my three top top companies. When I think about Windows or PC-based uh, mice, I think those do great jobs. So sorry to be so boring. Dennis, hopefully you can liven it up a little bit. I don't know. You have a, a lot of choices there. So I'm looking at, at my desktop here, and I have this HP laptop, which has a trackpad on it, which I really dislike. I have a Logitech mouse that I tend to use instead of that. And then it has a, a touch uh, touch screen, which I don't really use, but I could see using that more more often, um, either with the finger or with, with some kind of a stylus. So there's that many options on that laptop. And then with my Mac Mini, I have um, the Magic Trackpad, uh, which I really like. And I like the fact that it's in one place and I always know where it is. And this mouse I have, the Logitech mouse, is a wireless one that I keep misplacing because I have a limited amount of space and I have to move things things around. So I I decided I like the trackpads. Uh, you didn't talk about this, and I think it's because we both kind of adopted uh, are adapted to to have to live right-handed in a left-handed world. So I tend to, I've found that I actually learned how to well, use all these devices yep. with my, with my right hand, which is still an odd thing. Cause I tried to switch here recently and it was, it was, it felt like I had to learn a new skill. And then I found that it, a number of people do have the, you know, some kind of uh, ergonomic issue. And, and that's why I thought about the vertical mouse, uh, which some people really like, although it, it does seem like in a limited space, you kind of have to be positioned exactly right for them. But I ended up liking the, the trackpad and then uh, the mice just tend to get away from me. And, you know, a, a wired mouse, terrible. And then I would say, the thing I hate most of all, um, as all presenters too, are any kind of, uh, you know, those wireless remotes or 3D mice or something that you try to use when you're presenting and, you know, watch as, as several uh, slides click by you on the screen as you try to battle for control of, of that device. So I think I'm, you know, closer to trackpad, but going from the Mac to this HP uh, trackpad that's not 
very good or not that responsive is not is actually a, a really terrible thing because uh, you don't have a lot of control. A really good trackpad is where I tend to be these days, although I have some suspicion that um, some kind of stylus may be where I wind up in the in somewhere in the future. I sort of feel like we should rename this segment, What Do We Hate About Our Mice? Uh, because we mostly talked about what we didn't like, <laughs> what we do like, but there's value in that too. Well, there is that. But we could say the same thing about keyboards, and we'd start with uh, QWERTY, you know, like the whole QWERTY thing in itself, yep. um, and say, like, what the heck are we trying to type in this way that was built for typewriters? But now it's time for the, our parting shots at One Tip website or observation. You can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Well, and this time I have a tip that I'm going to continue the theme and talk about input devices, specifically your Apple Pencil. So those of you who have an iPad and use an Apple Pencil with it, um, here is a magical tip on how to take a screenshot with your Apple Pencil. All you have to do is you have to you find the page you want to take a screenshot in, and then you take your Apple Pencil and you drag it from either the bottom left corner or the bottom right corner. And it takes a screenshot automatically, which you can then just take your Apple Pencil and annotate, mark up, draw around, do anything automatically. You don't have to do anything else to take a screenshot. There, there are other ways to take screenshots on your iPad, but I will tell you, if you're using an Apple Pencil, this is the easiest way to do it. I'll put a link in the, in the notes so you uh, can get further instructions on how to do it. So I decided not to give like a free tip this time, but I actually... Uh, Antied up and uh, got what I think is a really great deal on the Adobe Creative Cloud. And so uh, so this is, uh, as I decided I needed to move up in audio, video editing, and some of the other things I was doing, that the Adobe Creative Cloud is, is how Adobe is doing all, all of that now. And so it's a subscription, and you can buy pieces of it, but you can actually buy everything for one price and it's it will vary because I, I may have an education discount but let's just call it in the 59 dollar a month range it gives you photoshop it gives you illustrator it gives you all the adobe acrobat it gives you uh premiere and all, all these other uh fantastic adobe tools and um i just find it uh probably uh, one of the better bargains out there if you're doing any type of creative work and especially if you're looking to get further and further into video. So don't piecemeal it, uh, but I think that if you like if you can afford it, that it's it's a really I think a really great bargain to get this this whole bundle. Of course, that's going to require that you do a little bit of training and other things to use it the way you want, but to have that whole set of, of tools. And if you've run into the thing where you want to use Adobe and you need to like buy a higher version just to do stuff that you used to felt you could do, feel that you could do on the software, um, I think you'll appreciate it for that reason as well. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for this show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts along with transcripts. 
If you'd like to get in touch with us, remember you can always reach out to us on LinkedIn or leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear your voice and to feature your question on a B segment. That number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.